0: today we're going to interview amy beltran amy is the director of community impact and missions at north point community church and she leads the awaken ministries here at north point
1: hi everybody (laughs)
0: So Amy, tell us about
1: your work with North Point and a little bit about the Awakened ministry. So what I do at North Point, I'm the Director of Community Impact and Missions. So what I do is I create opportunities for us to get out into the community to do service projects uh, with the community and with North Point. We're passionate about showing the community around us that we love them and that Jesus yeah. loves them. So I get to create those things. And then also different contacts that we have with different organizations in the community that know that they can count on us us to reach out to us for help and vice versa. So just an example, one of our closest relationships is with the DeWitt YMCA. This summer we'll be hosting them again for their summer day camp, and that's a lot of fun. So we work with them, and they allow us to do a Bible story during that camp um, one day of the week. And it's just a fun thing. It's a really good partnership And we're very thankful for that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yep. And then missions, um, what I do is the missionaries that we support, I'm their main point of contact. And then mission trips, I plan and organize and lead. And then just always looking for ways that we can love on our missionaries and uh, to kind of create an environment where people are aware of missions in the world.
0: Yeah, that's
1: great. Yep. And then awaken. Yes, I was (laughs) going to ask. (laughs) Awaken is a ministry for post-abortive women. We started leading post-abortive Bible healing groups at North Point almost 10 years ago. The curriculum that we use is called Surrendering the Secret, and I'm a national leader with Surrendering the Secret. Um, I've been involved with them for 10 years, and the Awaken ministry came out of that a few years after we started leading the groups here. And Awaken is really, um, it's just the name for that ministry because we love women who are post-abortive. I am post-abortive. My co-leader is post-abortive. So we have that perspective of living our lives, um, with that shame and regret. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then on the flip side, being healed by Jesus and living our lives in an entirely different way, which was so different and so foreign from what, we were living in so our whole desire is for women who are post-abortive to find healing in jesus and to find hope because of our experience and um, just what we know of post-abortive women and all the women we've met for the past 10 years many women do have that regret and they feel hopeless and in christ there is no hopelessness
0: yeah that's beautiful with Surrendering the Se- Secret, you said that's national? Mm-hmm. So anybody that's listening could find that if they live in the United
1: yeah. States. Yeah. Uh, so if you went to surrenderingthesecret.com, their okay. website, you would be able to pull up a map, and you would see any groups that are in the United States. Okay. Now, if you live in a place um, that doesn't have groups, mm-hmm. I think, for example, I don't think that Washington State has any groups okay. or leaders there. But you could contact any one of the leaders to find information. And I actually had a woman uh, about six years ago mm-hmm. who lived in um, South Dakota contact okay. me. It was either South Dakota or North Dakota. And they yeah. didn't have groups at that time. Okay. And she contacted me. She was post-abortive, wanted healing. So I sent her this, the Bible study book. And I yeah. did it with her on the phone once a week we would call. And I worked through the book with her. Wow. You'll find that any of our leaders all over the United States, were so passionate about women getting yeah. healed that we're going to do that because yeah. the more that women are healed, the more that women are free.
0: Yeah. Today, I wanted to talk about your journey with Awaken and how that led into your work at North Point. So if you could just share your story and
1: how you are still becoming who you are in Christ right now. Well, I I... Often tease about writing a book because yeah. in my opinion, it's a fascinating story and I love talking about it because Jesus is all over it. Yeah. So as I've already shared, I was post-abortive yeah. and I was 19 when I had an abortion. At the time I was not a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. I would have said that I was a Christian because I had accepted Jesus as my savior when I was eight years old. Okay. And then I had been baptized when I was at 18. Mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I didn't have an upbringing that fostered a relationship with Jesus. Right. And then my husband and I started attending North Point, I think, 16 years ago. We've been here for 16 years. Uh Uh-huh. And... I We were going to church here. It was a great church. I was learning a lot. Yeah. But I still had this secret about having an abortion. I had not told anybody. I had told my husband before we got married. Right. He's not, He's not the father of the baby that I aborted. But I had not told anybody. Mm-hmm. And... So I was meeting other women. I was going to Bible studies. I was learning about God and all of his goodness and all of his promises. And I remember um, going through those studies and learning what I was learning on on Sundays during service about God's love. And I believed that God's love was true and it was real. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And on some level, I believed that he loved me. I knew that my salvation in heaven was secure I believed that, but I did not believe that I would ever attain anything good in my life. That, um, if anything good happened to me, it was because God wasn't watching me with his thumb on me at that moment. He happened to glance away and something slipped by. Uh If anything bad happened to me, I believed that I fully deserved it. Like it could have been anything like my car breaking down or just anything. Mm -hmm. And I just had in my mind that that's just my lot in life. That's just right. the way it was going to be. So you had a skewed sense of who God's character exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. And that skewed your sense of grace. Exactly, yeah. So we were going to church here, and I was in school. I had gone back to school. I ended up... I We had three children at that point, and okay. so I, I had three children. I loved my kids. They were wonderful, but I honestly thought that I didn't deserve them because I had aborted my first child. I felt like God just allowed, he just wasn't paying attention when I got pregnant those three times. (laughs) So I had these children. And then in the fall of 2008, Mm -hmm. I got pregnant again. And this was an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. I, like I said, I was back in school, so I had my plans. And at the time, just a little background knowledge, too. At the time, I was very a very controlling person, like Mm hyper-controlling, like crazy. Yeah. Like my husband was afraid to move. I was so controlling. Um, And I was a scary controlling person. Yeah. So I got pregnant. That was not part of my plan. Mm -hmm. So my control was slipping away. And another unplanned pregnancy... And I knew, even though I had never talked about my abortion with anybody, I knew that I could not have another abortion. I right. I knew that it just wasn't right. And I knew on some level that having an abortion had affected me. Right. Although at the time, I didn't recognize how I had been damaged emotionally. Right. So during my pregnancy with that baby, I wrestled with God. And what happened was, I remember very distinctly, Sensing God say to me, not in an audible voice, but just this sense, this presence mm-hmm. on, my, on me, are you ready to deal with your abortion? And me saying, no, I'm not. Yeah. And what I did those early months of my pregnancy was I had my two little girls were still home. My mm-hmm. oldest son was in school, but my little girls were home and I would put them down for a nap. Mm-hmm. and I would go sit in the recliner, and I would turn on Friends and watch Friends, or I would take a nap yeah. because those were the moments where, where there was quiet because the kids yeah. were sleeping, But and God would, he would, are you ready? Are you ready? And yeah. every day, probably for three or four months, I was like, nope. <laughs> and we were still going to church, but I was, I was just angry that I had another unplanned pregnancy, right. and I felt trapped, but I was also... The memories of that abortion and that time of my life, they were surfacing, and I didn't want to deal with them because it was scary. It was scary to think about those things. So I was invited to go on a retreat on a weekend away, a girls' weekend away, with some Mm -hmm. friends from church, some other ladies from church who were these lovely Christian women (laughs) (laughs) who I just loved, but I knew that if they knew the real me, they wouldn't want nothing to do with me. So I was invited to go away. And there were probably seven or eight of us, mm-hmm. and we went up to my friend's parents' beautiful cabin in the woods. And it was winter. And yes. I remember a few days before we left for the trip, God saying, "You're going to tell these women this weekend about your abortion." And I was saying, "No, I am not. I'm not telling these women." Yeah. The whole car drive up there. God's tell me you're going to tell them. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> and then when we finally get to the cabin, it's literally in the middle of the woods. And I'm still arguing with God. Yeah. God, I can't do this. I don't even know where I am. They're going to kick me out. I don't even know how to get to the highway. Oh. I don't think I had a cell phone at the time. I don't remember. But um, just, no, I cannot. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Right. And then the way that cabin was set up, everyone shared a room. But they gave me my own room because I was pregnant. And oh. I remember laying in bed still arguing with God and him just telling me, Amy, you have to trust me. you couldn't tell them. And we just say, no, God, I'm not. So we argued like that for a couple of days. And then finally, um, the third day, I think, it must've been Sunday that we were there. Two of the ladies left to go skiing. And I was like ready to explode because I knew, okay. okay, I'd finally said, okay, I'll tell them, but I didn't know when. Two of the ladies went, the ladies that left were our lead pastor's wife, Uh and another lady. And so they were gone. I felt kind of freer because the pastor's wife was gone. So I felt like, oh, I can share this (laughs) and I won't be judged. And we were scrapbooking and I just, I don't remember (laughs) what the context of the conversation, but it came up and I just said, I need to tell you all something. And I said, I had an abortion when I was 19 or something like that. I just know that I told them I had an abortion. I didn't even have time to blink before I had all five of those additional women hugging me, oh. like swarming me
0: yeah.
1: in an embrace of um, affirmation, of love, yeah. of grace, mercy, and tears because they uh, they could tell that I was hurting. So, yeah. you know, so that was um, such a tangible example of God's grace. Yeah. And... It was incredible. What was even more incredible about it was the woman, the pastor's wife, who left mm-hmm. and didn't hear my story, and we didn't talk about it once they returned, and we didn't so we didn't talk about it. And then a few months later, I uh, no, it was it was a while later. Mm-hmm. It was after my son was born, so I ended up having my own little baby boy mm-hmm. was born, and God did some incredible things. Um, just through the rest of his my pregnancy with him and then yeah. in the hospital when he was born, just God speaking his truth of forgiveness over me. Yeah. It was a year later I went to a women's conference and and I was with a different group of friends mm-hmm. and it was a Beth Moore conference. Mm-hmm. And there was a uh I went out into the hall area where they had all the books and there was this yeah. display of books for women who were post abortive. And since I had not, I had told that one group of friends and that was good. And I felt like, okay, God, I did this and they showed me love. So we're good. Okay. Let's just, you know, Uh keep living in silence about this. And the books were there. It freaked me out. I turned the other way and then avoided it. But that God was once again nagging me. And once again, I was resisting. Yeah. And when I say God is nagging, it's like a respectful way because God and I have this I understand. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's not he. He pursues me. Yeah, in nagging. And you don't always just want to respond the no, way that he's no. pursuing. Yeah, no, I understand. <laughs> I've gotten better, but I. Yeah, um. But what happened was the the woman, the pastor's wife, she was also at that conference, and oh. she went to uh, a breakout session for surrendering the secret for women who were post-abortive. And then at the time, our women's ministry director was also there mm-hmm. and went to this. She was not post-abortive, but she felt led to go to this group. Yeah. So a few days after the conference, I'm on the phone with her, and she says, the most incredible thing happened at this conference. I felt led to go to this breakout group for post-abortive women, even though I'm not post-abortive, and by the curriculum, because I think we need to have this study at North Point. Wow. And I found a leader. It's It was our pastor's wife who was on that weekend with me she's post-abortive but now she needs a co-leader and I said I think I'm her co-leader and so I told her I you know I had had an abortion and she said you need to call her right away so I called her and I knew her Uh um, but I didn't know her well and it was just incredible how Even though she had shared with people her story of abortion, but never to me. And I had not told anybody until that weekend that she just happened to be gone when I said it. But we got together, started, shared our stories, just and we were struck with how there had been opportunities for us to share with each other with years, but because of our shame and our pride. From my perspective, she was a pastor's wife. So right. I'm not going to tell a pastor's wife that I was post-abortive. Mm-hmm. And from her perspective, she was a pastor's wife, but she had also been a pastor's daughter. Oh. And so she was just guarded in who she shared what with, which yeah. that's perfectly understandable. Right. So we ended up coming together. Um, we decided, yes, we went before our church, um, the pastor's leadership team a- and asked if we could do the study. We got the permission. So we did the study on our, uh, on our own in the summer to prepare. And then we launched yeah. in the fall of 2010. We've been doing it ever since she eventually left. And I mm-hmm. have another co-leader that I've been leading with for seven years, Yeah, but we've been doing it and just God did incredible healing in me. He changed me. He changed my life and it's been incredible to be part of him going through my story to reach yeah. other women and my co-leaders story. And then other women who have gone through our groups and been healed. And then now they're offering hope to other women who are yeah. post-abortive. So it's been, that has been a really cool, incredible experience. Yeah. So leading and how that story leads, how I got to North yeah. Point, working as a volunteer in ministry, gave me a taste of what it was like to be in ministry, mm-hmm. and I remember saying to my uh, co-leader, probably it was well, I guess it was about six years ago, mm-hmm. um, saying, "Wouldn't you just love to to work in ministry?" Yeah, and she, um, she was like, "Amy, you can't just quit your job and." <laughs> you know, work in ministry. At the time, I worked for a hospital. I was a uh, like a nurse's aide is what my um, job was. Right. And I loved that. That was a ministry mm-hmm. in my mind because I, I shared my hope in Jesus whenever I got the chance. And I loved yeah. working with patients. It wasn't that, but I just felt like God was drawing me to something that I didn't know what. And frankly, at the time, it was scary because even though God had worked on those control issues of mine, I was right. still controlling or trying to control everything. So the desire was in me, but it just, in my mind, it just didn't seem possible because I was not smart enough. I was ill-equipped. I was not confident. Mm -hmm. I, who was I? I mean, God, yes, God had done an incredible thing in me. I knew that, but that was it. That's all he had for me. Yeah. So around that time, not that long after, my husband actually lost his job and it was devastating for our family, but it was also... My husband and I will both say looking on that time and those years that happened after it was the most incredible growth of our faith in God. Mm. The night before he lost his job, we were actually at our life group mm. talking. And I had been sensing that God was going to do something. I didn't know what, but it was scary to me because I felt like whatever's going to happen, it's going to be scary. Yeah. And there had been some issues with at my husband's work. Mm-hmm. So the next day, um, oh, what I had said at our life group was... I feel like I have all these balls in the air and I feel like God's going to take my balls. And we all kind of laughed because it was just a funny thing. But I yeah. And I laughed too, but it was this very scary thing because I had been juggling, right. controlling things for so long. Yeah. And I just sensed like God was like, you aren't learning, Amy. Yeah. When are you going to trust me? So then the next day I got the call from my husband. Yes, he had been let go. And I remember I had this visual image in my head, of balls falling from heaven, bouncing all around me. And there was none. Nothing. I had no control. Right. The next few months, I would love to say that I was like, okay, Lord, I trust you. (laughs) I did not do that. (laughs) I wallowed and fretted and and cried and moaned and groaned for the next few months. And then I started working through a study that a friend had given me, a Bible study called Experiencing God. Uh And I did that on my own. It was a long study. It took me the entire summer. And that was like a a good thing for me because it was through that study that it was like God was starting, or I was at least starting to listen to him when he was saying, are you going to trust in your husband's job? Mm -hmm. or Are you going to trust in me? Right. My husband did not get a job right away. We went through, we almost lost our house to foreclosure. We were pretty destitute at Mm -hmm. times. I was still working, but my income wasn't enough to support a family of six. So eventually, no, it was quite a while before we ended up getting financial help. But what happened through that was, even though not a whole lot of people knew what was happening, our life group did, and then some friends from church did. Mm -hmm. And then people started blessing us in ways that, it was just incredible. Like, uh, for example, one day I came home from work. I had to work on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I always tried not to work on Sunday, but for whatever reason, I had to work on Sunday that week. Yeah. And we came home. I came home from work. And somebody from our church had filled our refrigerator. my, oh my Our gosh. dining table, our counters were full of bags of groceries. Oh. And I remember walking in the house and almost throwing up oh. because I was just in disbelief this, that somebody would do this. Yeah. And then other times where, we that happened a few times, but one in particular, one time was, because it was, I think, a period of two to three years before my husband finally was able to get a job that God just blessed him with, and it's been an amazing job for him and our family. But we had not been regularly tithing, but God was challenging us that we needed to do that. And so I wrote an amount for a check knowing that, we desperately needed that money. Uh And so we, I put into the offering basket. And then right after church that day, a friend came up and said, Amy, somebody gave this to me to give to your family. They know you've been going through a hard time. And it was for the same exact amount of what I had just given to God. And then we had another time where um, some friends in our life group, they gave us a financial gift that was so overwhelming that that in turn was just like the final... Like okay, God knows our needs and meets them through people. That has in turn like that's something that my husband and I try to do. Like yeah, not to pay it forward to to, to make our name great, but it's just right. like we're you know God shows His love through people and their obedience to to Him. So that was a cool thing. Yeah. So husband's job loss. Out of that, because I'm still trying to be controlling, remember, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> even though I was, God was working on me, I decided to go back to school. Uh-huh. I originally was going to go back for nursing, which is what I had been going for before, before when I got yeah. pregnant with my little guy. Went to nursing. Then I ripped, I tore my shoulder, uh-huh. my labrum. The surgeon said, you need to change your major. So I changed my major to human resources. There was no prayer about it. I was just like, I needed a degree. I had to support my family. So I'm... I'm about a year into going to school and I, that desire of working in ministry was still there, but I kept squashing it down because I remember saying to God, God, I can't do that. I, I have a family and women don't work in ministry, not in what I feel like you're calling me to. Right. And I don't want to lead children's ministry. I know that I'm not good at that. Yes. Please, Lord, don't send me there. (laughs) And... (laughs) But he w- it just, he wouldn't let it drop. So I was meeting with my advisor at school for my degree in human resources. And I said, to, I marched in there and I said, I want my bachelor's degree by December of next year. And he said, Amy, that means you'll have to take 18 credits a semester, which oh I had gosh. been doing already anyway. Yeah. And I said, well, I can do it. So I want to do it. And he was like, okay. He went to print something off. And I remember that, that voice of God, even though it wasn't an audible voice, but yes. it was just this presence Him saying, when are you going to learn? And I knew in that moment I wasn't going to get my bachelor's degree. I was very close to getting my associate's degree. Uh But I didn't say anything to my advisor because I just was like, he's going to think I'm crazy. (laughs) And I didn't tell anybody really what was going on in my mind because it was crazy. Women don't work in ministry. That's just what I was thinking. At the time, I was also leading a study for women called Believing God by Beth Moore. So I was leading the study, going through the study, and it was certainly speaking to me about believing God for what he was telling me, but that I was doubting that he was going to do. Right. There was one point in the study where the message was so clear to me, the scripture that was shared about trusting God. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I went, uh, left the study that night, cried the whole way home. (sighs) got to my house, went into my husband. I'm crying and sobbing, and I'm not an emotional person like this. So he was like, what's wrong? And I said, I feel like God is telling me that I have to work in ministry, but I don't know what it looks like. I have no idea. Yeah. And so I think I need to pause school. And my husband said, well, you're still going to get your degree, right? I said, yeah. I mean, I, I was just about ready to get my associate's degree. And I said, but can I just take the summer off and... Let me pray, seek wise counsel, do what yeah. I need to do, just to see if this is really a God thing, right. or if it's an Amy thing. Because I knew that I was controlling, and I, I didn't want. It. I had to decide: is this me, or is it really God? So he was like, "Yeah, you, that's fine." So I got my associate's degree, went through the summer, prayed like crazy. I think I work. I worked through another study on my own. Uh-huh. I still, I didn't tell anybody because I. Just didn't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah. So fall came and I remember thinking, well, if I, if I'm going to work in ministry, I need to see if there are any jobs for Mm -hmm. someone with my skills. And there was a job for an administrative assistant at a church in Lansing. And I remember I was just about to hit send on my resume. Uh And I, again, felt God say, do you think it's really wise for you to work at this church, but attend this church? Yeah. And so I reached out to one of our pastors at North Point Uh and I said, and I didn't know him very well at the time, but I was just like, I just need to talk to you about some stuff that's going on. Yeah. So I went in, met with him. It was our pastor. His name was Chris Carter. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I feel like I need God's calling me into ministry, but I have no idea what it looks like. And frankly, it's scary. Yeah. The backstory to that was that our lead pastor at the time had a desire to do to start an internship program for people desiring to work in ministry. So I I didn't know any of that. So when I talked to Chris about it, Uh he then in turn talked to our lead pastor, Rick, about Mm -hmm. it. And they determined that maybe I was a potential candidate. So I went through the entire process of interviews and applications. And I think I had to do some personality tests and um, ended up being given the opportunity to do an internship, a one-year internship in missions. Yeah. So that was incredible to me. It was just really such an incredible opportunity. Yeah. So I um, started the um, internship in, I think it was March 1st, I think, of 2017? Yeah. I think it was 2017, either 16 or 17.
0: I remember when they announced that you were doing that. And... I had just come here, and
1: so I was like, I don't know who she is, but that's great. That's so cool, whatever that means. (laughs) I think it was in 2016. So the internship was from 2016 to 2017. There was no guarantee Mm -hmm. that I was going to have a job afterwards, and it was just really an opportunity for me to get experience. Right. But after that first year, then I was offered a position, but it changed. It went from missions to community impact and missions. So I was officially hired in 2017 and so this is my third year as a woman working in ministry. Yeah. And then God has just done incredible things and I actually recently just went back to school for ministry. So Oh, that's so And cool. again that's like a that's trusting God with the opportunities he gives me. Yeah. And so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that's really cool. So are you going for a bachelor's or is it like... Right now it's a 1-year ministry certificate okay if after that one year if it's something that i feel like god is calling me deeper into, those credits will transfer into a bachelor's degree or i can go into the bachelor's program yeah so we'll see but the class that the classes i'm taking so far Mm -hmm. i love like i just i can't even god's plans are so much better than my own because it was never my my plan to work in ministry Mm -hmm. but i Looking back on just different stages of my life, there is one memory when I think about this that pops mm-hmm. up. And from when I was, it was around the time that I was eight, and when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Yeah. And like I shared, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but right. where I accepted Jesus at my, as my Savior, I was. It was at a church in Waterford, my great aunt's mm-hmm. church. My Aunt Lois, she was very sweet. She introduced me to Jesus and um, just spoke about him all the time.
0: Yeah.
1: And when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I did it in big church. I remember I had been in Sunday school that morning, but then I was yeah. in big church when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Uh-huh. And after church, she introduced me to the pastor Mm-hmm. And she didn't say my name, but she said, pastor, so-and-so, this is my niece. She's visiting from Lansing. Uh-huh. And he looked down at me and he said, Amy, I heard that you have been welcomed into the family of God today. You <sighs> accepted Jesus as your savior. Yeah. And I looked at my aunt and I said, did you tell him? Yeah. My, oh, Did you tell my, my him my name? That's what he said, my name. Right, right. And she said, no, I didn't tell him your name. And I looked at him and said, how did you know my name? And he said, God told me. He told me that you belong to him now. And wow. Amy, he has big plans for you. He's going to use you in incredible ways. And that memory wasn't I mean, I remember when I little when I was little I held on to that. Yeah. But like I said, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I had nothing to right. encourage that. But as I've gone through this process over the last three years I'm just like because I'll be honest, ministry is the most rewarding, difficult job I've ever had. (laughs) And there have been times where I have thought, Lord, what are you doing? I don't, I'm not, I'm not equipped to do this. Like, I don't know. What are you thinking? And that memory kept coming to me. So I just feel like he's, he has me here and he's had me all along, but I had to go through all this other stuff. Yeah. And he uses all that other stuff in my work, even as, Director of Community Impact and Missions, my story and my experiences are used more often than I would have thought. Oh, yeah. And that's cool because that's how God works. And I want to be open to what He wants.
0: Yeah.
1: But more than anything, I want my life to speak of His goodness. Mm -hmm. So in how I relate to people, how I speak to people, how I represent Him to people, how I represent North Point. Yeah. it's just an incredible thing. Yeah, that, the entire story, all of it is really <laughs>
0: incredible. I think you pretty much covered all the questions in your story because you talked about how Grace met you, and it's just really beautiful how he did that. So, thinking about listeners that might be more like a younger you, trying to control things and keeping all the balls in the air, and what would you tell younger you? in order to move into their becoming and what god is calling them to
1: if i could talk to younger me yeah. and anyone who's like me and is younger the biggest thing i would impress upon is to know or to establish your relationship with christ as your primary relationship yeah because out of that when 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 jesus is your number one guy mm-hmm. you're going to know that you're worth whole lot. Mm -hmm. You're not going to allow yourself to fall for things that you should fall for or to believe things that aren't true. Right. So my decision in having sex with the first boy who told me that he loved me. Yeah. Was bred out of me believing that that was as good as I was going to get. Right. Me choosing to have an abortion was bred in a lie that I had no other choice. Right. My number one relationship at that time was not with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now I can look back and say, if I had known how much God loved me, how much Jesus loved me, what he had done for me and yeah. the plans he had for me, I would have said no to those things. Not because the boy who got me pregnant was a jerk. right? Not because of, of the circumstances of my life at that time. But if I had, if my relationship with Christ was solid, yeah. I would have had the confidence that I have now. And Mm. I would have walked in that confidence to say, no, thanks. I'm worth more than this. And so when I talk with young girls, and I have two daughters who are teenagers, and I tell them this all the time, and I know I drive them crazy, but (laughs) they know my story, so I do have a little bit of authority in there. (laughs) But I just want girls, young women to understand, make sure Jesus is your number one, because when he is, when when he is, then you'll allow yourself to be loved and treated the way that he wants you to be. That's why right. I, I tell my kids, make sure the person you marry loves God more than they love you. Yeah. Because then you will be loved in the way that God wants you to be loved. And there's so much freedom in that. Yeah. Because then you're not you're not falling for scraps. Right. You're going for what God has planned for you. And he has good things planned for us. It may not be what the world tells us is, is right. good things, but they're the good things that he planned for us. And so when I determined that Jesus was my number one, Mm -hmm. that's when he started blessing me in ways that I would have never even dreamed. Not financially. Right. (laughs) Um, you don't get rich working in ministry, (laughs) but the confidence and the faith and everything, all that kind of good stuff that came out of it, it was worth it. So that's what I would tell younger me. And that's what I tell any younger woman and it's interesting about being a brief I say I'm a reformed control freak I can spot other control freaks pretty good yeah my heart just loves them because I'm like oh <laughs> just, <laughs> let me tell you or just wait you know I yeah. I don't I don't try to be controlling and tell them that they're control freaks but yeah it's like we're a kindred spirit and I'm like oh mm-hmm. just wait and I'll be here for you to like yeah. you know <laughs> but it's kind of it's a fun thing
0: yeah. yeah, I am like definitely still a control freak, so uh, <laughs> a lot of your story really aligned with how I have been living. I but... knew that about you, Amber. I knew you
1: did, but we're here to be honest. <laughs> and there's grace and mercy. Yes, there is. I'm working on
0: it too. <laughs> so is there a practice right now that you're
1: doing that's leading you closer to God? Yeah, actually the class that I'm taking for school, it's mm. all about spiritual formation
0: Oh, love um, that!
1: So I am just loving what I'm learning. Even mm-hmm. though reading through, I'm like, "Oh, this is all stuff that I knew. I just didn't realize that there was a, an order to doing it, or there oh, were yeah. practices to doing it. Practices that I didn't know were practices. I thought they were just right. things that you did because you were a Christ follower.
0: Okay. But
1: there's like um, just things about it. So one of the things um, that I've determined for a rule of life for me right uh-huh. now is to set apart time for listening prayer. Because mm-hmm. I can pray to God and I can talk to God, yeah. but I'm not so good at the listening uh-huh. as I've shared. Because we wrestle and sometimes I tune my ears out to what he's trying to tell me because yeah. sometimes I still think I know what's best. Right. But that's something that I want to be better at and mm-hmm. that I want to get better at at listening. And I have found that as I'm going through, those, through this process, that I'm starting to become a better listener to the people in my life. Yeah. So there's a goodness in that too. Better listening to God transforms throughout your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like God knew all this stuff. Who
0: would have imagined? He's he's (laughs) wise. We're still learning. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing your story with us today. I think that it'll be a light for a lot of women in a lot of ways that god knows and we don't
1: (laughs) my pleasure thank you for asking yeah of course